Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. The countdown is very short now. 22 days until the start of the NBA season. Five days, if you include today, left in this month. We're getting there, folks. Media days are happening. I think we had our biggest Sunday in terms of downloads uh, of any off-season day ever on this show yesterday, so that was pretty cool. An unexpected twist as folks decided to tune in. Maybe it was my wonderful listeners of the Jewish faith who decided that on the way to era of Rosh Hashanah services, they would check out our Friday mock draft show. Maybe not. Either way, Shana Tova. Happy New Year to my listeners of the Jewish faith. Uh, I know some of that is going on today as well. No school for LAUSD, uh, which means my youths are bouncing around here someplace. And this is also the start of our industry mock stretch on the show. Where, yes, last week we mentioned a couple of picks. I think I got through like the first through the fourth round or some kind of a rapid fire. But now we're going to be doing segments with all the pros, most of them, almost all of the pros from that mock draft, and getting their thoughts on their own picks, other people's picks, strategic elements as they kind of work their way through the mock, and then, you know, just general fantasy stuff. Because it's always fun for me to actually finally, once in a blue moon, talk to another human being. Ah, it is nice to talk to another human being. Today, we're going to talk to Steve Vitovich, our director of content here at Sports Ethos, a rising star in the fantasy community who is handling both football and basketball. At the same time, he's an animal. He's a maniac. A man among boys. And he'll be joining us here in uh, just a couple of minutes on the pod. But I do want to say hello to everyone. So, hi. Welcome to another week. I think this is off-season show 121, although I know that that doesn't really matter at this point. I am Dan Bespris. That's still true. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. This is a time of year where I got to hammer you with the social media stuff because I'm going to be doing a lot, a lot, a lot on social from basically starting today. I started to do a little bit more last week, but starting today uh, and just well, through the last day of the regular season. So, um, almost seven months now, in a row, I'm going to be going buck wild on Twitter, and I hope you'll join me over there. Again, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Sports Ethos is sportsethos.com. Two days until the Brewski 150 goes into the Ethos 360 plan. Two days. So make sure to go get yourself a subscription over there at SportsEthosBK on Twitter or just go to SportsEthos.com. Uh, other quick little remarks here at the beginning of the show. Uh, we The listener leagues, I think, were they're not full. Um, drafts start for those in uh, like a week or so. Um, so if you're listening here and you haven't jumped in yet, a lot of you responded to the tweet I put out over the weekend. Those uh, We've got Roto, Head to Head, Cash Free, whatever, at Dan Vespers. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to be a part of those. Or recruiting time here at Sports Ethos. Want to be a part of our organization? Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Enough waiting. I try to speed through my show opening remarks. 
Uh, although, look, like half of that was really setting the table for what we're going to be talking about on the show. Well, yeah, the other minute and a half was promo. I'll give you that. But I've worked really hard to shorten the promo on this podcast. Plus, we got some advertisers coming back that start in like the next three weeks also. Okay, enough waiting, enough waiting. We kick off this most delightful stretch of shows leading up to your draft day, to the start of the NBA season. This, of course, being the stretch of shows where we talk to the participants in the Nine Cat Roto Mock that I think I talked a little bit. I gave a few rounds of picks last week just to kind of tease it a little. But we're in it now, man. And uh, he happens to also have been the first pick in this draft. He is the director of content. Kind of newly minted, at least in terms of you being on the show. Newly minted director of content at Sports Ethos, Steven Vitovich. What's up, man? It's good to talk to you on here, especially now that you're the grand poobah of things. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Um, very excited for everything we got going on. And I... I was extremely happy to get that number one pick. (laughs) I know. Well, you know what it also does for you is it means we don't even really have to talk about your number one pick because (laughs) that is the least controversial pick in all of fantasy sports right now. Obviously, Steve, you went Nikola Jokic at number one. Uh, So what we're going to be doing today, of course, is moving through the rest of your picks. And if something got auto-picked, you can feel free to just say it. Uh, There's no harm in that. This is a mock draft. It was. It took four days. Um, people paid pretty close attention for like the first 36 hours, and then it really kind of uh, piddled along after that. Uh, but before we even get into that, I want to tell everybody where they can find you. You are, of course, on Twitter at Steven Vitovich with a PH. PH in the middle there. Not Fthiven. I'm talking about in the middle of the name. Steven Vitovich. Uh, I'll make sure you're, of course, tagged in, in all the stuff that goes out on this podcast as well. You're... You're a busy man, but I kind of want to bug you about that more towards the middle or the end of your hit here. I want to dive straight in with your second round pick, which, well, second and third, because you're on the, the whatever, what's the fun name for like the second turn, the turn coming back? Uh, Paul George and Jimmy Butler, you went with like the Dan Bespris, will they survive the season (laughs) duo here at 24 and 25? But interestingly, and I want to get your thoughts on both of these guys individually, but as a collective, Paul George is going kind of almost earlier than I thought he would this year. Like, he's still going typically around 20 in a lot of drafts. And Jimmy Butler is going much later than I thought he would this year in drafts, even though Butler vastly outperformed Paul George both on a per-game and totals basis last year. Help me make sense of that and then talk to me about why you ended up with those dudes at 24 and 25. You know, well, first of all, I knew I was going to be on this podcast talking about the mock, and I wanted to get some brownie points uh, from you. (laughs) Well done. Well done. (laughs) But uh, in terms of the Paul George and Jimmy Butler, I just wanted to basically get really quality wings where the only um, risk I see is injuries um, for both guys. I know that they're going to put up production. I could have gone with a buzzier name who might have more upside than these two, uh, but I really liked the floor, and I wanted to make sure not to uh, lose my draft this early on. Do you have any fears about these particular guys? I I know I've spoken on the pod in the past about the games played issue, which definitely crops up for both of them. 
where do you stand on that element? You think Jimmy Butler can clear the 57 games he played last year? I mean, obviously with PG, clearing 31 should be something he could do with a hand tied behind his back. But is that, I know this is a roto draft, just to remind everybody, this is a roto draft, so it's built on a games cap format, but is that something that you were thinking about there at all? You know, I, I definitely um, am a little bit nervous about games played, but I think both guys should be able to get to 60 um, unless, you know, something unforeseen happens, which is always a possibility. Uh, but my target for both guys would be 60 games played. So let's jump now more towards the mid rounds. And as we work towards the mid and late, this is where I think everybody's going to start to, they're going to get their ears perked up a little. And your fourth, fifth combo here uh, at 48 and 49 was interesting. I didn't expect to see, especially one of these names come off the board. The other one, I have no idea what he was still doing available at 49. Uh, and you went Zion and Vooch. That's a really interesting pair given what you actually already had in this draft. I know that, you know, mock drafts, so team building is not really like priority numero uno. It's really more about grabbing guys that are interesting, that are good talking points on a podcast, things like that. Uh, But Zion at 48, Vooch somehow, this one is still gobsmacked that he was available at 49. You now have a power forward, two centers, and two wings what do you think we get out of Zion? Let's let's approach this one player at a time. So what do you think Zion is this season? Well, first and foremost, Zion has to be healthy for this pick to come through. So that's <laughs> right. an obvious uh, first point. Um, I am betting on the talent of Zion Williamson here. Um, and also, it's a mock draft. I wanted to do something fun. So I wanted to take who I think is the most exciting player one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. Um, I think that he has tremendous upside. The biggest downside for him is obviously the free throw percentage is going to be, could be a big drag on my team. And that's something to consider. And I know that when he did play that, that full season, he wasn't close uh, to this value. Um, But I basically wanted to get somebody extremely exciting with you know tantalizing upside i went kind of boring with the the first turn that i had and obviously the first pick is a is a non-starter it, you know he uh is nikola Jokic, so it, it kind of felt like a relatively boring draft i wanted to do something a little bit more exciting here and then after <laughs> i took zion i saw that you know vooch was still on the board and i wanted to um get some safety with the risk of my prior pick and I know that my team, uh, you know, is is definitely leaning towards the the bigs. Yeah, um, just a bit. <laughs> but but I could figure that out after the draft if this was a real draft. You know, maybe I could um, sell off Vucevic after he performs well. You know, way outside of his value early on in the season. Maybe I can send him out, and in return, I could get somebody from a guard position who could help me in those categories. Yeah, it's one of those weird things, too. I, I think with, with a guy like Vooch, and just with trades in general, you're always fighting this weird battle at the beginning of a season where people are going to be reluctant to make a deal where they're bringing someone back who was drafted later than the person they're sending out. I don't know why we have this uh, this mental hurdle 
So because oh, we want to be right, Dan. Right. We yeah, I guess that's right. true. That's a good point. <laughs> we want to be right. Uh, but at the same time, like, the, like, is everybody wrong? Why is Vooch at 49 in this draft? So, like, Vooch is such a reliable guy who's going to go in the mid to late 30s in most every draft. So you might be able to get away with trading him away for somebody that went in the kind of mid to late 30s. So, like, someone drafted maybe towards the beginning of that fourth round. Because, uh, and I don't mean to call you out on this, you didn't get anyone on your team who was point guard eligible until the ninth round of this draft. So that would, if this was a real league, be something that you'd probably have to address. Uh, but it's not, so you don't. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, let's talk six and seven, your next uh, pair of, of players here. End of six would be, that'd be picks 72 and 73. You want Mikkel Bridges and Wendell Carter Jr. on those two. So you actually ended up with more strong field goal percent. Your team is a field goal percent behemoth at this point. Paul George, the only player that's sub-average through your first seven picks. I think you're going to be okay there. Uh, Bridges, I mean, what can we say? He's just, he goes later than he should because he's super boring. And then Wendell Carter Jr. is a, a fun one. He's a guy that the upside does seem to be in can he start to produce more defensive stats was that a thought here, or was he just a guy that you saw at this juncture and thought, oh, this feels like a guy who should be able to hit value? Walk me through the uh, picks six and seven for you. Yeah, you know, pick six, you know, boring guy who is kind of like, you know, feels a little bit like uh, the Nikola Vucevic of wings right now in, in drafts. Um, yeah, so, well put, well put. He's just going to go later than he should. Yeah. Yeah, so I went with him, and then um, I uh, went with Wendell Carter Jr., not because um, I think that his defensive stats are going to come around. If they do, it's a bonus, but more just because he's solidified uh, as the starting center of a pretty intriguing young team. Um, and sure, Mo Bamba is behind him, but it's it's very clear that Wendell Carter Jr. is the guy in Orlando from a the center spot, uh, the on-off numbers for Bamba starting at center last year weren't good, and Paolo's presence there basically, um, you know, eliminates Bamba from from playing as many minutes as he did last year. So I thought Carter's uh, floor was about where he was last year on a per-game basis, and I think, you know, he does have some upside there. So I just felt like it was a good spot to take him um also another guy that if he you know outperforms his value over the first month or so of the season maybe instead of sending Vucevic out if somebody prefers Carter and I could get somebody you know a little bit later than where I grabbed Vucevic maybe I can make that exchange and get that point guard because you're you're absolutely right that my team is is lopsided in the category <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't tell people that your next pick was a center also. Before we <laughs> before we get to the next one, uh, I want to talk about this an idea here. Um, because, look, like you got a center in the fifth. You got a center in the seventh. You got a center in the eighth in this draft. And then the, I know you had some auto picks late, so I don't want to talk about those at, at this juncture. You can either defend yourself or say, here's where other guys I was looking at, but like I wasn't at my computer for the whatever weird stretch three days into this draft. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about how there's this this crazy center run that's going on in the 30s and 40s range and how if you don't get them there, you're sort of screwed. And I haven't found 
I haven't found myself to be in that scenario as often as everybody else keeps suggesting. Maybe it's because I, I like some of the later centers more than other analysts. I don't know, but like Clint Capella's going in the seventh or eighth. Uh, and I know he's not super exciting because they have a, a young center behind him, but he's still the starter there. Wendell Carter Jr., who we just talked about on your team, is a center bouncing around uh, in the in the 80s. P.J. Washington, center eligibility. He's typically more in the 90s to 100s. Al Horford is going around 100. Brooke Lopez is going at like 120 in a lot of drafts. I just Mitch Robinson is in there. I just feel like folks are making a bigger deal about loading up. You have to get your centers in the third round or whatever I'm hearing now. I haven't really found that to be the case where do you sit on that discussion? Is that even something you heard? Am I doing one of those things where I saw like two tweets and I turned it into something that it wasn't? Because that's possible. <laughs> you know, you know, I try not to to. I, Twitter is a very resourceful tool, but I try not to be influenced by like that kind of group think where you have to get somebody here, or you have to get somebody there. I think that I was really just looking at value, and yeah, my picks after this happened to be auto draft um but uh i just saw value at uh, at those positions and so i decided to get who i thought would return the most value based on adp that's the way that i draft i don't i, I worry more about um the diversity of the stats after the draft and through trades or free agent acquisitions you know on the waiver wire yeah. Um, but during the draft, I'm all about value. And I just saw value, so I agree with you. I don't think you have to go with a center in the 30s. I didn't draft a, any centers in the 30s. No, you didn't. Team. And you got plenty uh, of centers on your team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you Nikola Jokic at the top definitely helped that discussion. You know, if I had a, a pick after number one, I could still have ended up with Vucevic and Wendell Carter Jr., um, but because of Jokic at number one, that's kind of why my uh, pool of centers is greater than what a typical team looks like. Your eighth and ninth, were these auto drafts or were these ones you were still doing? Because there was These a were auto drafts, but these were auto drafts that I actually... You had them queued up? You know, I didn't have them queued up, but I actually was okay with uh, who ended up going to my team. <laughs> I didn't. I, I don't know that I trust you that this is an auto draft because this is a homer pick for you. It's an absolute homer pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got Draymond at the end of the eighth. That's 96, 97 was Tyler Hero, who is your first point guard, actually, on this team. And that's the, the one I wanted to bring up. I know the ones after this were auto-drafted, so I don't want to talk too much about those. But you feel like at these spots, Dre and Hero are fine. I, I like actually Tyler Hero in the in the mid to late 90s this feels like a perfectly reasonable spot for him on a team that I think wants him to slowly do more every year to give the old carcasses of Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler just a little bit of a breather Draymond I don't know the team just won a championship I get the feeling that they're gonna say all the right things but the Warriors you know they're your team they're gonna be coasting a little bit this year aren't they absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I the only thing the only reason why Draymond is not, um, you know, I, I don't mind the pick here is because they might struggle to find the right combination of young players to get enough wins early on. He's going to have to play some minutes, but he could end up being like a, a top 110, top 115 guy. I could see that. 
but he does give me some assist value where my team is, you know, lacking in that with the, with the bigs I have. And then Tyler Hero, I thought was, you know, a great auto pick there. I think he's, he's, um, he's an interesting case study because I feel like he goes from being extremely buzzy to being totally overrated to extremely buzzy to totally overrated. And so he's, uh, a very interesting fantasy player. I feel like in the bubble, he was, you know, on fire. You could, I had him on a dynasty team and I was getting offers left and right for multiple first round picks and quality talent during that bubble run and then the next season, I couldn't trade him for a bag of potato chips. Uh, <laughs> and then this past season, I was able to trade him for, you know, this is Dynasty, but I was able to trade him for R.J. Barrett and a couple of first-round picks. And I was very pleased with uh, with that return for him. But I think in redraft, you know, top 100, if you can get him in that 90 to 100 range, you're getting a guy with a limited skill set, but he, you know, does that skill set very well and – He's going to get a lot of minutes. I mean, I believe he was the leading scorer on the Heat for the majority of last season, even though he was coming off the bench. Yeah, I've been I've been using a lot of baseball metaphors for stuff like this, especially the mid and late round picks of like, what's the floor from a value standpoint for a guy like Hero? The floor feels like like a single, you know? It feels like if you take him at the in the mid-90s where you got him here, 97, that the worst case scenario is he's like right around there. You know, like that doesn't seem like the bottom's really going to fall out. Maybe he's like 10 slots back of that, but that's basically a wash. Anything between like 85 and 115, that's pretty much the same. That's like the difference between those guys is like one decent game in February that the other guy didn't have. Uh, but there is, with Hero, there's there's kind of doubles upside to continue the baseball metaphor, which is what if something clicks? What if... Butler misses more time? What if Lowry misses more time? What if something else falls into place that didn't last year? Uh, let's say his, you know, steal, he's not a big defensive stats guy, but let's say that like random fluctuations give him 0.9 steals instead of 0.7. That's the type of thing that moves a guy half around in this part of the draft. He goes from 89 to 82 or 83 or something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's like, there's little bits of upside with him. He took 17 shots a game last year, and they didn't really add a ton of offense. Maybe his turnovers come down from 2.6 to 2.2. There's like all these little things that could work. He's not going to be a home run at that spot. He's not going to move into the top 50, but he's probably not going to really let you down if you get him that late. Your, and and this, we'll just zip through these. Your last three picks were straight autos, and they were... I'll try to be kind to you, Steve. They're a little fun. They're a little funky. Uh, Lonzo Ball at 120, uh, Russell Westbrook at 121, and then Isaiah Stewart, Beef Stew, as Mister Irrelevant in this draft, picked 144. Is there anything that you liked about those three auto picks, or was that like you looked back at the end of that day and went, "Oh no"? Absolutely. You know, you were kind when you said a little funky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Russ is not exactly a a, a a target here on Fantasy NBA Today. But, like, no. you could talk me into Lonzo as a last-round pick. What if he comes back, you know, two months into this? I hate drafting guys that are injured, but, like, he's he's a stash at this point. I don't trust anything going on in Detroit. They've, they've 
revamped their front court. Beef Stew, it feels like he missed his chance to do something, and it was last year. But, like, you could you could give me an argument for it, but if you don't want to, you, you very much don't have to. And you can just... Do you want to just say, let's talk about something else? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, on the Lonzo thing, I actually have a, a question for you. When that news broke, I was thinking about the, you know, three guys that I think would be affected with Lonzo missing let's say the majority of the season. Let's say, unfortunately, his knee doesn't get right. You got Caruso, you got Kobe White, and you got A.O. Desunmu. Uh, what do you think about those three guys in reference to you know opportunity on the Bulls if Lonzo misses the start of the season? I don't think there's a ton of upside. Uh, they all feel like, man, not, not so much Kobe White because he's a needs to get shots to have fantasy value kind of guy. The other dudes at least... You know, we saw Desunmu, he was able to rack up assists when he was playing big minutes last year. Caruso, he draws his value mostly from steals. Um, so these are those are guys that can do it without being a scoring option. But, you know, I don't see any of those three as, like, rocket boosting into the top 60, top 70 per game discussion. And at this point of a draft, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, anything really beyond pick 100 even before that in really competitive drafts, you're on the Roto Games cap side, you are very much hunting per game upside at this juncture. So this is very, you know, you're taking home run hacks here. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter at all. On the head-to-head side, there are times where, like if this, if your team was a head-to-head team, which it's not, so we can't, like you wouldn't have drafted the same players, but let's just for in a hypothetical moment say this was a head-to-head team you drafted your second third and fourth round picks are massive massive injury risks so in a head-to-head league pick eight pick nine pick ten you might be looking for a guy like an Alex Caruso who might cruise along like around the top 100 but if he plays in 75 games or you know Kobe White or DeSumo whoever we're talking about on the Bulls right now if they play in a bunch of games and their per-game value is in that 90 to 120 range, that actually does now become really valuable because you need people playing games on a week-to-week basis to to win weeks in head-to-head leagues. You just can't have all the missed games because in Roto, and I, you know, I'll stop talking here in a second because th- I'm repeating stuff I've said on other podcasts, with Roto, the key is you get to make up those missed games. Paul George doesn't play on a given Tuesday, Okay, well, now, you know, you're down one game at your small forward slot, but you can just throw in a different small forward on Wednesday, even when PG doesn't have a game, and whammo, you've made up your missed game in a way that you just can't in head-to-head. If Paul George doesn't play on a Tuesday, those are just stats you're not going to get for that given week uh, because it's not games capped. Other people are getting their players in there. So uh, that kind of changes the way I attack towards the end of a draft where... Those guys you mentioned on the Bulls, I probably would look at more on the head-to-head side and just hope that they kind of rack up stats. Um, But I don't know that any of them is a guy. I'm thinking this guy has massive per-game potential. Uh, Because even then, at the end of last year, when when Lonzo was still out, none of those guys was particularly effective when both Levine and Vooch were in the lineup. And we still don't really know what to make of Patrick Williams, because there's a, uh, I think there's a lot of hope that he turns a corner this year. What's your take on on some of those backups? I guess they're not backups anymore, huh? 
on uh, Ayo Dosumu and Caruso. Yeah, in particular, because I, I, I mean, you can throw in Kobe White as well, but I feel like he's at the bottom of that totem pole. I, I agree. Yeah, Kobe White is more of a points league guys, and and he's probably not going to get the opportunity uh, on offense that he'd need to even deliver in that format. But um, Caruso seems like the safe floor for me, and whereas Dosumu seems like he has a little bit more upside. Yeah. Um, second year player, he outperformed all expectations as a rookie even if it you know didn't come through um except for like certain streaming spots in fantasy last year i think that he has the the greatest upside out of the three um and perhaps like if i'm in a if i'm in a head-to-head league um and it's towards the very end of drafts i would take a shot on dosunmu if i wanted upside and i would take a shot on caruso if I wanted that that safe floor, because I think Caruso has the safest floor out of out of those two. Yeah, I mean, and there's something to be said too for the fact that, uh, and, and I got a little pushback on Twitter on this, and I feel like maybe it's because I couldn't jam all of my thoughts into a very short burst. But I I've, I think drafts really dry up after about pick ninety, the uh, competitive drafts after pick ninety. You're starting to look at guys, and and honestly, like I think that that was the case in this mock draft, where after pick 90 or so, it was really hard to find guys where you're like, oh, this is a both a safe floor with upside. Those type of guys are gone at that point. So, yeah, I mean, you you have a choice then after that pick, and when, if you're in a slightly less competitive draft, maybe it pushes back towards like pick 100. But I, I, I don't think it goes much beyond that. So, you know, by the middle of the ninth round in most marginally competitive fantasy drafts this year, you're at the point where you're deciding between taking a shot or grabbing a guy that you think is, and I'm going to use the baseball metaphor again, kind of a safe single, a ground ball single in the left field. And like what you're talking about, if we're in the 11th, 12th round, there, there's just like nobody super interesting left on the board at that point there's no one and I, that's the wrong word for it because there's still interesting but there isn't like oh this guy's a sure bet those guys are gone uh caruso went at the 11 end of the 11th by the way in this particular draft and that's totally fine because the guys going around him were james wiseman john wall patrick no that isn't patrick williams is that a different williams no that's patrick williams josh hart uh bone is that Bones? Yeah, Bones. Mike Conley. Like, these are not guys that you're thinking this is a dude that's definitely going to fantasy perform this year. So, yeah, screw it. Like, there's no problem with taking a, a Bulls option at point guard with both of your late picks and just hope one of them hits. And if neither one of them does, it doesn't matter. Because looking at the 11th and 12th round in this mock draft, out of the 24 players taken there, what do we? Th- what do you think? I think maybe like three of those guys stay on teams all season long. If this was a real league, you think it's more than three or less, or is that about right? You know, I would say yeah. I, I'd say about three is dead on. And when you were naming those guys that are getting drafted, it's funny how it kind of alternates between like you know taking a shot with upside and then like kind of a boring safer floor. Yeah, taking a shot with <laughs> upside safer because you know Wiseman. I feel like is that shot with upside. John Wall is that safe floor pick. Patrick Williams got that upside. Alex Crusoe, the safe floor. Yeah. I guess Josh Hart is, again, 
a little bit of the safe floor guy. That's okay. But, that's uh, like, that's like July and August in the calendar month. Sometimes you, <laughs> sometimes you get the 31 days back to back. But yeah, then Bones, then Conley. We don't even know where the hell he's going to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you'd think he would have like a relatively safer floor than Bones, whereas Bones got the upside. Something happens to Jamal Murray. He could end up um, actually having decent value. But yeah, it's it. It totally is a decision between floor and upside. Uh, and I guess it depends on what you have earlier in your draft, whether you want the floor or the upside, like you talked about earlier. I think that is really important to be aware of in the later mm-hmm. rounds of drafts. Oh, yeah. And and very much settings dependent as well. Head to head, you might lean a little bit towards that floor just to make sure you're you're chewing up games played in a given week and roto. I think you just, I think you like lean back and take the full Jose Canseco swing at all of these things and just hope you connect. Um, Steve, is there anybody, this is my last question before I throw you out of the hot seat because we got into some other stuff besides your uh, 12 picks, which actually is my favorite way to do this anyway. Uh, Was there anyone in the last, I don't know, four or five rounds that you were kind of hoping would get to you but didn't? You know, I'm looking at the draft board there are some guys that i like better than my picks (laughs) Uh, my auto picks like um a guy who went just a few picks ahead i'd rather take a shot on jalen suggs than on lonzo ball um i would prefer i think every player over russell westbrook on this board (laughs) yeah yeah, I can get on board with that. Uh, and then, honestly, you know, I took Isaiah Stewart with the last pick in the draft. I'd rather take a flyer on Nerlens Noel. I know it's a, you know, it's a long shot because he's on the rebuilding Pistons, but I believe more in the potential for him to return steals and blocks if they use him in that veteran role. Um, so perhaps I would have, if I was going to take a center on the Pistons, I would have went with the with the veteran. And honest to goodness, at, at pick 144 in a 12-team <laughs> league, it doesn't really matter. That dude, there are very few leagues where the last pick stays on a roster all season long. Uh, Steve, you are cleared of your hot seat duties. You can go back to running football and, and basketball and baseball at Sports Ethos. Are um, you sleeping okay, man? You doing all right over there? You got a little bit oh. on your plate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've been... Some nights are better than others, but you know, last <laughs> night I got a good night's sleep. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, excited for Monday night football tonight between a couple of uh, NFC East teams. Uh, Giants are undefeated. So all the New Yorkers out there, congrats. I hope it uh, continues for you tonight against the Cowboys. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. He is Steven Vitovich. Find him on Twitter immediately. One of my goals in life, or at least for this year, is to turn you into a Twitter sensation. That's the next thing on the docket for you. Uh, He is the director of content at Sports Ethos. In a year when the website added two more major sports, Uh, he's a busy, busy man, but he's getting us all ready for the NBA season as well. And had pick number one in the industry mock draft. Mr. V, Vito, I'll talk to you you know, on Slack. (laughs) I'll talk to you in another spot. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Dan. That was Steve Vitovich. Steven, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-V-I-D-O-V-I-C-H. It's not the easiest thing to spell on Twitter. So um, just 
you know, make sure you're following me. Make sure you're following Sports Ethos. We'll make sure to tag Steve. You can find him a lot easier that way. Uh, or maybe I'll convince him to change his Twitter handle to Dirty Steve, which is uh, a joke from a management call that won't make sense to anybody. But um, even if you don't get it, it's still kind of funny because pretty clean fella. Um, so another thing, just looking at this mock draft is especially towards the end here. Um, and this does sort of, it, uh, it sort of calls back to Brewski 150 stuff, which I guess, you know, like this is, this discussion is going to end up feeling a little bit like a promo, but that's not its intent. I've, I had the opportunity to look a, a pre-glance at the Brewski 150. There's like two or three of us on staff here that get to look at it before it's actually released to the public. And I'll say this, um, Brew has some names in the later rounds that aren't even getting drafted in some of these leagues. So, and this is pretty exciting actually because, and I still, I still feel pretty strongly that after about pick 90 or pick 100, you're in full, like take a swing territory, but a really cool element about what we're going to have here at sports ethos this year is that some of these big swings are not even on the radar yet. This ends up being a nice example or a nice reason to go get a B-150, yes, for sure. But it does give hope that you might be able to take three, four, five swings at the end of your draft, and they're not all going to be with your eyes closed. So that's very, very cool, and I'm excited for you guys to get to see some of what I saw as well. That said, well, the last 30-some-odd picks in this industry mock, I still feel pretty strongly that like a handful at most are going to still be on fantasy teams that these are guys. And I know it's a mock draft, so it doesn't really work here. But like if this was, if the last three rounds of a real draft were the same as the last three rounds in this mock out of those 36 picks, I think we're probably talking about five or six that actually stick on fantasy teams. And I could have my guesses at which ones do, but I'd probably be wrong on a few. Like, Mo Bamba feels like one that might stick, even if his minutes are slightly reduced, because, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe he falls outside the top 100 and somebody punts on him, and then he goes on a little run again. Uh, Cam Johnson obviously moves up with the Jay Crowder news that we didn't really get to talk about on this podcast, but um, Jay Crowder, the the Suns are working to move him. Um, So, yes, obviously that does give a bounce to some of those dudes. Well, I'll talk about some of that stuff in an upcoming episode, but I ended up going a bit longer with Steve today, so I want to kind of get you guys back to your stuff. Also, plus, uh, yes, this is a Jewish holiday, so uh, my family's going to start yelling at me if I kind of don't get back to it. But, like, Bobby Portis, pretty safe one in those later rounds. Um, I don't know. Maybe that those three or four are your only safe ones. <laughs> Tough to say. Uh, what I'd like to do is after we talk to the analysts, then I will weigh in myself on some of these 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th round picks. So I kind of want to save, not that I don't want to go first necessarily, but I want a lot of these discussions with, to, to be with on a clean slate with our analysts that are coming on the show. And plus, this is not a place where I'm going to grill them. This is a place where I want to get thoughts Get arguments out into the air, and then we can assess them, and that's what we'll do after. So for the next two weeks or so, including today, we'll talk to the analysts from this industry mock. 
We're going to get their thoughts on their draft on some of these late round picks. And then right after that, because it still does afford us a week or so of shows, uh, I'll be going through some of my real draft results on those. But I also want to go through some of these names at the end with what everybody told us over the next two weeks uh, and then break that down and, and kind of throw in some of my own thoughts. Plus, you'll get the Dan Vespers old man squad at the end of all of this as well. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the pod. That's how we're going to handle some of these late picks. Um, if you want more thoughts, here, let's throw it to Twitter this way. If you want more of my thoughts on the Jay Crowder stuff, on uh, Steve's discussion today, we'll be doing that over on social media. Again, I'm at Dan Vespers. He is at Steven Vidovich with a PH. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Go get yourself a B-150. It drops in two days in the Ethos 360 membership package. That's the only place that gets it on September the 28th. Have a great Monday, everybody. Once again, Shana Tova. Talk to you guys tomorrow.